This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt Grimm leads us through the big theme of Paul's letter to Philemon. How is the body of Christ to receive redeemed sinners back into the fellowship? Good day, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here once again with Thad Keenel as we bring you the Planned Podcast. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing good. It's uh, another day, and you know, it's always a pleasure to just be here with you. I consider you a, a close friend. I get to razz you and yeah. and then answer all your questions wrong. <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah, and it's uh, we're we're in our little uh, temporary studio we've been doing. There's a construction project going on here at our church, and so we're. Um, in this place, and it's it's kind of one thing bad about it is we don't get many sunny days in February in Michigan, and it's a beautiful sunny day. And it is a beautiful we're sunny day. We're upstairs here in this closet. Yeah, we are, <laughs> but it does feel like the Sahara. <laughs> it's warm up here. So, uh, but it's it is it's good to be here with you, and it's good to get in the Word of God together and uh, to ask questions. And just as we say, you know, we want to be. Uh, Planted in the scriptures, let let God do His work to root us and ground us in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I think in our passage today is going to be pretty easy to do. But it's good to just meditate on that, and part of that meditation is 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 you know digging in and asking questions and letting it soak in. And there's just great having a partner to do that with, right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. So uh, we. Uh, Last time we introduced Philemon and we, we read through the whole uh, letter and we kind of introduced it and, and got into this relationship that, that Paul has with both Philemon and Onesimus. And so just a little review, Onesimus is a runaway slave, a bondservant of Philemon's. Philemon is a, a member of the church in, of Colossae. He, he, is, uh, he hosts the either the church or part of the church. I don't know if there's multiple house churches in Colossae, but one of them, or the one, he hosts at his own house. And so we know that he's probably a man of means. He can host this at his house. He has a slave or, or multiple. We don't know. Um, and, and again, slaves back then don't think North American, African slave trade, you know, kind of slave necessarily. This could be something Onesimus willingly entered into, you know, to pay off a debt or to or to have Philemon provide him with something. Right. Uh, he could have been sold to him because he was indebted to someone else. You know, we don't know any of those details, but we just know that he has been separated, and most people would believe that this was, you know, kind of a runaway situation. But uh, they're separated from one another. He ends up with Paul, whether that is in Ephesus, which is just about a hundred miles away. Or Rome, uh, which would be much further away, we don't know. Most people probably think it's Rome. If it was just if it was just Ephesus, you know, people might it'd be a lot harder to hide from 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 uh, uh, Philemon if that was the case. Mm-hmm. But if if it is Rome, then this is probably written sometime in the 60s A.D. 
if it was Ephesus, it could be more like the late 50s, mid to late 50s. Um, it's in kind of interesting, of you know, you're talking about it being written maybe in the 60s, and we talked about the peace and love factor, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, yeah. some things never change. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, um, Onesimus in his, um, whatever the circumstances are in which he, he gets um, to Paul, whether he knows of Paul, because Paul in his, in Ephesus, and, and planning of the church in Ephesus, it was through that time in ministry there that Philemon came to know the Lord, and so, you know, whether Onesimus knows that or not, we don't know, but he ends up in Paul's presence while Paul's in prison. He, be, uh, he, he himself becomes a Christian, and he starts serving and helping Paul, right? And so Paul is, is um, in this, is talking about, uh, he uses this word for like refresh a couple different times, one that his own heart and he in this this blessing of this entire situation that he then the expectation of this outcome is going to be a encouragement to Paul. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's kind of where we ended last time, pretty much looking at the first seven verses, referencing a little bit of the stuff at the end, but we kind of left out the middle section, which is really Paul's appeal. And so I thought today we could, uh, we'll just maybe pick up in verse eight and read, uh, from there, uh, down to, uh, uh, maybe verse 22. You can read to the end if you want to, but would you be willing to read that for us today? Pat? Sure, I'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, and verse 8 begins, Therefore, though I have much boldness in Christ to command you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather plead with you, since I am such a person as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I plead with you for my child Onesimus, of whom I became a father in my chains, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, my very heart, whom I intended to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be, in effect, by compulsion, but voluntary." For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever, no longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would accept me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account." I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than I say, and at the same time also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father God, we come and ask for your help as we uh, have fellowship in your spirit and listen to him and to one another as we look at your word. We pray that it would uh, just continue to uh, bless us and we would we would see your heart and your um, your gospel truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I had to laugh a little bit um, in verse 19 because it he he, he kind of has a little bit of a 
sarcasm behind his voice, it, it appears to me, right? Well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's not really sarcastic, but he's letting them know without by saying it. Like he, it's almost like he could have left this out, and they should have known it. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, well, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely persuading and and leveraging the relationship that he has, right, with Philemon, uh, and and I think that there's, uh, you know, hey, remember, you know, you wouldn't know Jesus if it wasn't for me, <laughs> kind of a, <laughs> right. a thing, but it, but. You know, Paul does use that language to others that, that churches he's playing and so forth that he calls them my children and things like that. And I don't think he's doing it with any kind of malice or any really kind of manipulation. But he really believes, you know, this is God ordained relationship. That's exactly right? where I was going to go with that. Yeah. So you you would agree then that um, almost the way we treat our family members, yeah, you know, we can we can we can call to rely on each other, right? Exactly. I mean, even just think of one of our physical sons, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, you sometimes we just appeal to him as as dad, you know, and that's that we're not trying to manipulate, but we're trying to just remind the importance of the relationship, you know, and, and so and there there is obligation that comes with that, you know. There's a reason the scripture says honor your father and mother, mm-hmm. you know, right? And so and we didn't. Um, you know, our uh, in in that sense, our boys didn't choose to have us as fathers. <laughs> they didn't get a say in it, but yet that's the way it is. You know, right? So, um, yeah. So I, I think that that's it's good, and and that's what Paul. It, it, even as Paul is pulling on that thread, um, he's also pulling on this thread of saying, "Hey, I'm not forcing you to do this." But I am appealing to you. Well, right. And that's right? what he says right in the beginning of the first eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that that word for appeal is the word parakaleo. Oh, paraclete. For like and, and get, it's yeah. the same word from which we get the word paraclete, which the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's a paraclete is one who comes alongside. And so, and to a paracleo is, 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 is one who's like, I'm, I've come, I'm appealing as one coming alongside of you and I'm urging you. Uh, it's a strong urging because there is this relationship that is there, you know. And so uh, Paul, uh, so he's saying, I'm not going to command you, but I am going to appeal to you <laughs> on, on this basis. And so, uh, and that's where I, there's so many cool things about the association of of this whole account and as a picture, as a, as a lived out analogy of our relationship to God. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we think about Philemon, in one sense, as being like the father. Even think like the story of the prodigal son. Pastor Wine has just used that in his sermon this past week uh, as an illustration. But you think about just that as, uh, so you have the, the son, who the prodigal, who runs away from the father. You know, Onesimus has run away from Philemon. Uh, and here comes Paul as an intermediary to unite them back together, just like Jesus, you know, does that. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And so, and he's, but he's, but he's also doing it through the, the language of the paraclete, through the, 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 the persuasion we could say of the Holy Spirit. What is the, what does God do? He, the spirit draws us, right? The spirit comes in and persuades us. He comes alongside us. He actually comes in and dwells us and, and, and helps enable our choice. Right, and so this is what Paul's doing. He's not saying I command you, but I'm coming here and I'm enabling this choice that you need to make. Right, and he uses this word para kaleo 
to do so, which is, I think, what the Holy Spirit does with us. The God sends the Spirit into our heart and says, okay, now, Thad, you're going to make a decision here, right? I mean, you you couldn't make it without the paraclete. You couldn't make it without the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to regenerate you and, and enable you to make it, and now you're going to, you're going to choose the way of salvation. Right, right. and... I think that we could even be more emphatic according to the doctrines of what you're speaking of and the doctrines of grace and the uh, what the Holy Spirit accomplishes when you say he draws that it's effective. Yeah. So it never fails. Right. right. So through that, yeah, he comes he comes alongside, but um through the changed heart, he not only frees us to make a decision, but that decision will be properly made for Christ, yeah. you know, and so that's the effectiveness of it. Now, that that's that's a doctrine that our church would teach, but not all Christian churches yeah. teach. They they kind of say, well, the Holy Spirit kind of frees up the, the will, now you still have to make your own decision, yeah. and many people reject that. But uh, that's that's a little different use of the word draw. You know, when we say that the, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. draws us to himself, that, that word for drawing is actually... Um, a word that means to drag, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think that's a, an important aspect of just while we're on the topic, anyways, to talk about the doctrine of, of what the Holy Spirit actually accomplishes. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that this word parakaleo, you know, it, it's in one definition, it, it could be to ask to come and be present where the speaker is, to call to one side, as I mentioned. It can be to invite someone. Um, but it can also be to urge strongly, to appeal, to exhort, encourage. And then if you keep going, it says to make a strong re- request, request, implore, entreat. And I th- and um, and then it says in, in the fourth one is to instill someone with courage or cheer, comfort, courage to cheer up. Um, and so, but I think this sense here is this imploring, this entreating. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I wanted to yeah. uh, uh, correct myself to a degree that... Um, you were speaking of paraclete, but then you right. brought up the word draw. Which well, no, is, no, right, which, but, but, I, but right. I do think but what I'm saying is related to what you're saying yeah. is that when we are entreated in this way by the Holy Spirit to come to faith, it is irresistible. You know, that that's the point of the doctrines of grace. If we go back to, like, TULIP and so forth, and we have a whole season on that you can go listen to. But the point is... It is you can speak of it in that manner because it is energing. It is it is a doing that, but because it is God doing it, we know it's going to be effective. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's interesting here by at by the end of this, Paul in verse 21 says, confident of your obedience. <laughs> right? right? That that there is that there's that confidence. That I think is again illustrative of of what you're talking about. Sure, right? yeah. that we that our confidence is in the Lord, and I think that's what Paul is doing. His confidence is that the Lord's going to do this because he he knows he knows Philemon's heart because he knows it's been changed by the Lord. You know, he he knows their partners in the gospel that they share, and he knows what God's done in his life. And so, our confidence in the effectiveness of the work of the Spirit is because it's on God. It's not. It's not. I'm. Did I make a real choice? I did, but my confidence isn't in my choice. My confidence is in God's changed me. Right, exactly. So we yeah. have confidence, and Paul would have confidence in Onesimus' changed heart as much as a man can have confidence right. in the profession of, of Onesimus' faith. Yeah, yeah, and Philemon's as well, right? Right. Yeah, and, and so so that that's the, the case. So so as we get to that, the, 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 
that appeal is very important in, in all of this. And so Paul uh, is in his persuasion is pulling on that relational thread, but he's also pulling on this appeal, being confident that God is doing this. So Paul doesn't have to act heavy handed in this. I mean, he's, he's persuading in a very strong way. Um, and he is leveraging this relationship, but he's not doing it as um, he's not lording it over him. He's, he's, he's doing it as a shepherd, <laughs> right, would do uh, in persuading. And he's persuading with the gospel. Mm-hmm. He's not persuading on any other means. His, his, his means of leverage, of persuasion, is the gospel itself. And so here's another way that he does this. He says in verse 12, I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Um, the word there for heart isn't cardia, which is often, you know, the, the, the organ of the heart, but it's, it's, more, it's another word that has to do with just kind of almost like sometimes can be used as your whole internal organs. Um, and so he's just this, uh, this strong, you know, inside connection that he's made with Onesimus. And so knowing that he's changed, appealing, ensuring, you know, Philemon that, that uh, Onesimus is, is just like you, brother, <laughs> in the sense that what you were like before um, and now after, you know, Onesimus is that, he's my very heart. Uh, and I, I would love to just keep him with me that he might serve me on your behalf during my prison of the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your conscience, without your consent, I'm sorry. So he's... Again, he's not commanding, but he's appealing, and, and, and he's wanting, he's, if Onesimus is sent back to him, which he's confident he will be, is that it's, it, this is uh, not by Paul's choice, but it, it's, it's by Philemon's. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that whole thing. But here's where the gospel comes in. Again, he, it's all, you know, he's in prison for the gospel, he's been serving, but he says um, that, uh, oh, I skipped the verse I was wanting to look at. It's verse 11. Um, he says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he indeed is useful to you and to me. And so, well, one, that's a play on Onesimus's uh, name, which means useful. <laughs> okay, right. that's right, from last okay. week, yeah. Uh, and so, but what's he doing is he's, um, that, that verse 11 is a picture of the story of humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, Onesimus was in the household of Philemon as a servant, okay? We think about humanity in the Garden of Eden, put there by God as image bearers, but also as servants. They were to work and keep the garden. They were there to represent God, to be there in his household, and, and they were designed to be useful. To be useful and take dominion. Yeah, and then what happened? Fall. They right. rebelled. They ran away, mm-hmm. in, in essence, right? They, they turned away from trusting God in his command. They were disobedient to the command, and they ate from the, the tree, seeking their own wisdom, going their own way, and did not eat from the tree of life. And as a result, they're exiled, okay? But, but they, they, they exiled themselves before God ever exiled them mm-hmm. with their heart, right? right? They ran away in that sense. And so, so they became then... They were no longer useful um, in the in in that setting, uh, and and that's the way. And if we look at our all of our lives, that's who we are. 
That, right. That's the story of humanity. And what does Adam and Eve do after they realize, you know, that they were naked? They try to cover themselves <laughs> with, with the leaves, right. right? And God says, that's useless. Yeah. What it's going to take? It's going to take the shedding of blood. Yeah. So he covers them with animal skins. Yeah. yeah. And, and so uh, when we see Onesimus, you know, run away, he's probably seeking life somewhere else. You know, he's running away from his debt. He's, he's trying to, but he, he comes to Paul and Paul preaches the gospel to him and, and, and says, and, and with that is, and because of that, you need to return. Mm-hmm. You, and so he's come back and he's now made useful again. And that's, and that for us, we go from the God's intent that we be useful to becoming useless to now being useful again. And, and so that, that Onesimus is, is a type of every human in this sense. And, and so Paul is um, appealing with that. And I think it's, it's just an interesting thing. Like, why have this little letter here? Well, I think, again, it's, it's just a great analogy to, the, to all of humanity. And it, and it relates to a little bit, for me, of the, um, our last series when we were talking about Israel. Okay, so our last season on Israel, we could say this very same thing about Israel. God took Israel for himself, and what happened? They turned to other gods, right? And then they got exiled. They became scattered among the nations, right. and they, they leave. And now we wonder, God, and, and Paul's actually pulling on this thread to some degree in Romans 9 to 11. Did, is God's word ineffective? It was his plan, you know, did, did his plan for Israel fail? And Paul's like, no, because through the preaching of the gospel, he's taking all those, all those runaways, all those that have been scattered among the nations, and by preaching the gospel of the nations, he's now bringing them back. And now through the preaching of the gospel, it's being useful again, and he's creating a people for himself again, and they're being restored to God. And his original design mm-hmm. for them was, um, is, is being returned. Right. You know? and, and so that's the, that's the story of the Bible. And we see this right here in, the, in this and this interesting relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. And so it's got me thinking of all those times in, in Scripture. You know, a, a classic example where it's actually worded this way is, is Joseph himself, who is, you know, what his brothers intended for bad, God intended for good. Right, and that's uh, Genesis 50, isn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah. 49 or 50, right. 50. And so when we think about that, we come down here and look at verse 15, which a lot of uh, scholars would say verse 15 in a lot of ways is the key to the whole letter, is he says, for this is perhaps why he was parted for you for a while, that you might have him back forever. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, a little bit ago, you said, in a, in a, in a sense, um, this pattern of Onesimus is like the pattern for every every person, right? Yeah. But would you qualify that at all to say that it's only in regard to those who are redeemed? Because they're talking about useless mm-hmm. and useful, and I'm, if you talk about in terms of the right. kingdom of God, I mean, obviously, all people are made useless through their sin. Yeah, you know, in yeah. that aspect, right. right? That's where that's where we um, decide that we are going to be able to make our own decisions for our own good, like Adam yeah. and Eve did in the right. garden. Right? They're autonomous. Right. Right. And then realize that through the through that fall, it only brings death upon us. Right. Right. And so in the same manner, maybe in a different sense with Onesimus, he, he was useless because he wasn't functioning properly within the body. Mm-hmm. We're not sure if his, his, well, I guess we are maybe confirmed that he was spiritually unsaved at that point because Paul claims. It seems to me that it was during Paul's imprisonment right. that he 
that he became his child, that yeah. he, that he, that he um, had conf- this change of life. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, but so I think in, in, in yeah, I would say the best picture of that all of, is obviously for the redeemed, those who do return to God. Now, what about those who don't return to the Lord? Um, I don't know. There's something I think God has a purpose in all that. I don't completely understand it, you know, in one sense, you know, I don't know that I would use the term useful, (laughs) you know, because the way, but I mean, God has a purpose for, for that. And, um, and so I, I trust that, you know, there's no human life that is not important, um, to God. Uh, we are all made in his image. And so there's, uh, even though not all are saved, not every single person is redeemed, each person um, made in the image of God um, is, is important to him. And, and the, the manner in which, and I wrestle with this, I don't know that I, I think you and I would probably even have a, a little even different view of what that eternal you know, punishment might look like. But the, uh, but I don't. I, I think that there's something in in terms of all eternity. I trust in God's goodness and His justice, and that whatever comes to pass for each person, it is God's will is being fulfilled, and it's serving its purpose. Right. right? Yeah. And I think that's in that sense. The, the it's it's true of every person. So even. For the for the one who doesn't return, you know, um, God is is somehow. I think I don't know if speaking's the right word or some. God has communicated and will even for us who um, who uh, are, will be with Him in eternity and not have to suffer the consequences of those things. We, it's going to give us some understanding of His goodness and grace and justice in a way. That without it we wouldn't have right the the, the display of the attributes of God uh, when we look at His righteousness that what is reflected in His righteousness would be demonstrated in His judgment over the wicked for those mm-hmm. who don't repent right and then His mercy to those who puts His mercy upon right and so when we looked um maybe a little bit back at Romans 9 and an episode or two ago, we see how this is demonstrated even in Pharaoh, that he's able to demonstrate through Pharaoh's own hard heart the glory of God in his his righteousness. So it's good. This is why all things can be considered good, even though God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. So that's scriptural. But in the same manner, the demonstration of his righteousness is a good thing. I I bring it up more for the sense that of like, well, because I think some people just believe God's going to forgive. And and we're all human, and, and we all just, in some sense, deserve to be forgiven because we're made by God, and he wants to forgive us. But in, what I'm saying is in order for him to forgive us and set us free, he still had to meet his righteous requirements. All right. And he yeah. did that in Jesus. And, and that which brings me back to this mm-hmm. is that this is what Paul says. He says, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, what does he say? Charge it to my account. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and so he's like, I understand. What Onesimus greater, has wronged you. Right. The, the whole what greater love yeah, aspect has, yeah. has man. And so Paul, being the intermediator here, says he wants Philemon to just forgive him his debt. But maybe, we don't know, did he steal something from him? What you know? We don't know what it is. But whatever it is, let's say Philemon's like, but I demand justice. Right? And Paul's like, okay, if that's what you need to reconcile this, charge it to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is sitting there doing for us. And he pays the debt. He says, charge it to my account. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what, that's again one of the cool, there's just so many cool examples of, of what's going on in this short little letter and this whole interaction of reconciliation where we see the paraclete, we see, we see the useful, useless to you, back to useful. Um, and we see the, uh, and here we see Paul saying, charge it to my account. Yeah, it's great. And, and so we have this, what we have is this gospel that Paul preaches, he's, he's living out in, in a real life relational rec- example of reconciliation. And all this reconciliation is happening between humans. Paul's appealing to it only on the basis of the reconciliation of the gospel, you know? And so this, so Paul's practicing what he's preaching. Even to the point where he says, "If I need to pay for it myself, I'll do it." Um, but I, w- I want this this relationship restored, and and then he, and then it's interesting. He says, and, then, "And I want some benefit in it from the Lord." Yeah. And so so the- well, remember back in um, Romans eleven, I think it was where Paul's saying, "You know, if it was even possible, I would give up my." Secure positions for the sake of yeah, my brethren, right. and he knows it's not possible because that's only possible through Jesus right. Christ. But that was the heart, and it should, be, and it's our heart too. I mean, yeah. we, as as believers within the family, you know, and with within even our close family yeah. members of those who aren't yet redeemed, our hearts' intention is, you know, if it were possible, yeah, it's, you, know, you could just say, "I don't want my child to be sick on that bed. I'd rather be in his place, right. sick on that bed." Right. Yeah, and I think we see that that is often the role that God's priest takes. We saw we see Moses do this in the golden calf incident. Moses, after when God comes down and he's like, um, Paul's like, uh, Moses is, appeals a little, let me, you know, for my sake, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, and I, I will, I'll give up my life for them. Uh, that we, I was just reading in Amos and. And God's pronouncing his judgment, and Amos is standing there on behalf of the people. Relent, God, who is Jacob? Who's this? Jacob's but a small house. Don't do this to him, you know? And so um, there's the, the people, I bring that up because the people who have been touched by the heart of God and their own hearts been changed, you start to see that flow out of them as well. And we see that with, with Paul, and, he, and he's confident that, that Philemon will understand because Philemon knows Christ mm-hmm. and and will do this. And so it, I just think it's a beautiful uh, picture of the gospel. Is this short little letter? It's a beautiful expression of of the of how we apply this in our lives when we need to when we need to reconcile with others. It's not it's not easy to do that, especially when we when we're the person who's you know in the right and we're the one who's been wronged, you know. But but we always reflect back and say. Ah, but that's but what? How did God treat me? You know, and so we think about the parable of the the uh, the uh, the debtor, the uh, the you know, with a guy who yeah he he, he has a, the huge debt forgiven, and then he goes back home, and there's the guy that owes him a little bit of money, and he you know he doesn't forgive him back, right? right? 
And so, um, yeah, it's also interesting in, in verse seven here. It reflects, you know, Paul, of course, is demonstrating that same love that Christ does. But in seven, he's actually allowing that to reflect on Philemon here. I have much joy and comfort in your love, right? Because mm-hmm. of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So through through my encouragement to you, Philemon. You know, now you're to demonstrate that yeah. same thing, right? And and we see that within our within the body, right? right? When we say, "Man, I would not have behaved that way. I would have probably ripped that guy apart." And that guy just demonstrated, you know, the love and mercy of Christ right there. And that's encouraging to me. That's the refreshment that you're talking about. It is, and and that's and that's where, like, well, um, how do we preach the gospel in in word and in deed? And I think a lot of people are. Sometimes like, well, I'm not a preacher. I have trouble, you know, when do I have the opportunity to, to talk about Jesus? It just doesn't naturally come in conversation. Well, you know, if we live the gospel before others, it will come up. <laughs> They'll wonder, why are you, why, how could you do that? How could you forgive that person that wronged you? How could you, how could you help that person, you, you, you know, who's going through, I, I couldn't, you know, do that. Uh, well, it's because of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, that's one. I mean, this is a, a a great story to know and to be able to tell because it has as one has so many opportunities to lead to gospel conversations. But but it also I think for us it is you know when Paul appeals in other letters he says um, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, we see uh, well how do we know Paul did that? Well Philemon's an example <laughs> right of that mm-hmm. uh, this little letter here. So yeah so it just I just love the. You know some of the really what I would just say blatant correspondences. You know, and it, also there. what you talked about um, was I think the extra biblical writing about the possibility that Onesimus is actually leading the church over in this other territory later on. Mm-hmm. Remember you mentioned or Philemon that? is. Oh, yeah. Philemon. Yeah. Oh, it's Philemon. Yeah, the letters to Philemon Onesimus is the slave. Yeah, no, I understand, so. but I thought you mentioned last week that Onesimus mm-hmm. in somewhere. Is, is, his name is used. Oh, oh, yeah. So there is that theory that later on, potentially yeah. years later, the the bishop of Ephesus is a guy named Onesimus. Right. So just if if it happens to be him, it could be. anybody that happened to know this hooligan back in this time was like, <laughs> right. oh yeah, this is totally yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Because I think the it's I think it's Ignatius who's writing, and it would be probably about. Um, uh, they say probably the letter I think is dated like eighty one ten, right? So if you think if you consider, let's say this is written in sixty two, yeah, just fifty right? years later, fifty yeah. years later, and 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 this was the same. He could he could easily be in his twenties, you right. know, and so if 70. if he, he he could be seventy years old <laughs> living in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah be. and it's also interesting to think about that you know it's it's in. Um, you know, not too many years later, I mean, the Council of Nicaea. I'm trying to remember the date. Is it like is it 200-something, um, the, the basically they start determining the canon. They start determining which, which books are in or not in the Bible, you know. And it's like there would be... Right, there, because there were so many other books influxing in that people wanted right. to receive that were Gnostic right. works that they were like, no, this is the yeah. received... So it'd be interesting if, if they're saying, well, should Philemon be in or not? And they're like, well... <laughs> Don't you remember Onesimus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> that would be really cool if that was the case. We don't know. We don't know if that is the case, but it but it is. It's it's entirely possible, right? You know, and, and so uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, 
yeah, I, I encourage you, you know, to, you know, to, to read through this letter and, and look about it. And, and if you are, if, if, if any of you listen to us ever, maybe you, you're a Bible study leader, maybe you lead a small group, maybe you uh, have opportunities to teach sometimes, maybe even teach children. You know, Philemon's a great story to know because it's a great illustration. You know, if you're teaching something about the doctrines of grace or you're, you're, you're talking about reconciliation, how God reconciles us, you're talking about um, uh, what a, a life enslaved to sin is like and then being set free to mm-hmm. God, use this as an example. You know, it, it's a great illustration to pull out and say, Here, here's an example. And, and I think it's a, a wonderful way to to proclaim the gospel is through the, the, the relationship of Philemon, Onesimus, and Paul. So, yeah, hope you've enjoyed it. And I think we'll, uh, as we look forward, I, I think we'll, next time when we have a chance to sit down and do our podcast together, uh, I think we'll look at Second and Third John. Excellent. That sounds All good. Right. All right. Thanks for leading us. Yep. We look forward to you joining us next time as we will discuss the short letters from the Apostle John. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.